This is Bulls Beat on Bulls Unlimited. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Here we go again, another hour-long extravaganza on Monday. Remember, we had the thrilling basketball from the weekend. The seems like a while ago, but the men's basketball win at North Texas, of course, since then, what happened on Tuesday night has made you almost forget about that one. But we did a full half hour on that and then progressed on to a big win for women's basketball and had plenty more sports to tell you about. Very similar today. In fact, practically impossible to try and squeeze it into 30 minutes without shortchanging so many stories and sound bites and highlights. We got plenty. Now, we did not do a show on Wednesday after that exhausting but worth it exhausting day that ended well after midnight for yours truly. We were not going to get up at 6 o'clock to do a show. We just replayed that Tuesday game. So we're just going to drop a few highlights in of the massive win for men's basketball. But yeah, we'll give you some of those here in our first segment. So here is how the hour-long version of Bulls Beat, normally a half-hour show, breaks down today. First segment, basketball and football. So you were going to hear, again, sort of my thoughts and observations on the Bulls. And by the way, they are still alone in first place, thanks to UAB knocking off FAU in overtime last night. More on that and a look to what Rice has been up to since the Bulls played them, because that's where the Bulls are Saturday. We'll also tell you what's going on Saturday as far as both basketball teams playing at the same time, with the women at the actual same time playing at Temple. We'll give you a preview of that one. A couple of highlights from what happened Wednesday night at the Yingling Center. It looked like the Bulls were going to have an easy time against Rice and ended up losing by 10. So we will give you the latest standings outlook when it comes to the Bulls and that, and a little what Jose Fernandez said about it all afterwards and also in this first segment some good stuff from Alex Golish now if you want to hear all of what he had to say it is up on our podcast page already wherever you subscribe to podcasts just type South Florida Bulls Radio Network but I'll give you a couple things that he said that I really enjoyed that's segment one basketball and football then we'll transition to softball and baseball softball started off its season last night with two exciting endings a walk-off in nine innings and a combined no-hitter by two freshmen First time it's ever happened as far as the Bulls getting a no-hitter from a freshman in their first outing, and it turned out to be two of them. A lot happened last night, and we'll give you some of those top moments and tell you what to look forward to this weekend. You'll also hear some great post-game audio from Ken Erickson. Oh, yeah, baseball. A few sound bites from the men we talked to in the dugout. This was on Wednesday. The other reason I didn't do a show early on Wednesday morning, we had the basketball game Tuesday night, and I knew that we'd be having conversations with Alex Golish, Billy Mole, Jack Siebert, and Bobby Bozer, and I had a game to call Wednesday night, but we'll give you all of that audio now here on the Friday program. And then finally, definitely wanted to talk to head women's golf coach Erica Brennan and, if possible, Melanie Green after their championship. Now, we did post a special version of Bulls Beat just to the podcast page later on Wednesday, recapping the women's golf victory to start off the spring. Didn't want to stop it there, and you'll hear my chats with both Erica Brennan and Melanie Green in our last block. So tune in if you're listening for that at around a quarter till, or just stick with us for the whole thing. Also in our last block, there's other stuff happening. Tennis got an exciting win earlier this week, and both tennis teams are at home this weekend. Also, again, track and field had one of the athletes of the week in the American Athletic Conference. So a little bit to get to. 
Why don't we start off with men's basketball, which, yes, is alone in first place. Thank you, UAB, for winning a thriller on Thursday night against Florida Atlantic. And speaking of thrillers, the Bulls had one of their own on Tuesday at the Yingling Center. I was there. I wasn't alone. It was more than 6,000, even though it was a late start and a late finish. The second half itself in real time took an hour and 10 minutes. And that's okay because it was going to be maybe a quicker game than that. When a game is decided, it tends to go along a lot quicker because there's no timeouts at the end. And this game felt decided. I know we've said that a lot with the Bulls and their amazing now eight-game winning streak. They have faced some serious deficits. You go back to being down double digits in the game that started it all against Rice, but of course 20 points at Memphis and double figures against Wichita, nine with eight minutes to go at Temple, and they've overcome them all. This did not feel like they were going to overcome it as Charlotte made its first four three-pointers, started off eight for ten, jumped on the Bulls quickly, and it was such a bummer because you had this wonderful crowd. You knew it was a national television audience, and here the Bulls missed eight shots in a row when they were down. 40 to 23. We told you on Monday's show about their 6'11 guy, Deshaun Jackson. He didn't even hurt them in the first half. They had three other guys score 10 points, including Lukai Patterson. Igor Melichich, who was very, very cocky, played the full 20 minutes. He's good. He was shushing the crowd and taunting and not missing any shots. Four for four. And also, by the way, five assists and five rebounds. So yeah, he's good too. And then Nick Graves also hit a couple of threes. Now, they did calm down at least on three-point shooting, but generally shooting, they heated back up and had a six-for-seven stretch that put them ahead by that 17-point margin. This is while the Bulls were missing eight in a row. Yeah, it didn't feel good then, even when it looked like the Bulls were going to close strong and take that 17-point margin almost all the way out. Here's how it ended. Here's Graves, right wing, gets it to Milicic, who's been relatively quiet as of late. Gets it off to Folks. Stroud guards him. Dumps it down low, Milicic kicks it out. They're going to load up a three, and that's good. And that's Reber with a big triple there. Uh, they're big men from three, very impressive. Really creates a problem on defense for the Bulls. They've got a lot of big bodies, and they're all capable of scoring from anywhere on the court. 45-37, 20 seconds to go. There's about a two-second difference between the game clock and the shot clock. Jaden Reed sneaks a peek. Nine seconds now to go on the shot clock for the Bulls. Reed, hesitation move, fires a pass. Here's Sam Hines. He got it blocked underneath. Reber blocked that one as well. Outlet pass to Milicic. He throws a lob, and they get a dunk with a second to go. Well, the Bulls go from getting a layup to giving up a layup at the other end, and Charlotte is flying high going into the locker room, up 10. I know they think they should be leading by more than 10. The Bulls are probably fortunate to be within 10. I think we still got a ball game, but Charlotte is going to be a tough out tonight. Indeed, Joey Johnston. And then the Bulls start off the second half with five quick points, only to have Charlotte go on a 12-2 run. Now, normally when you have a big comeback victory, you're just going to hear the high points. I wanted to play this about a minute-long sequence of the broadcast just to really try and truly paint the picture of how dire this situation felt. What Joey Johnston says, and you'll know it when you hear it, no one would have disagreed with at the time. There's just no room to operate. This is by far the best defensive team we've seen this season. North Texas was advertised as this be-all, end-all defensive team. This team's way better defensively than they were. They are, and I think it's, it's safe to say that uh, Charlotte's better than USF right now. Uh, the evidence is pretty clear that uh, they have more 
more to offer on offense, and uh, they're playing much better in this game. Not to say USF can't back, come back and win this game, but, boy, this Charlotte team is really tough. Lefty goes left into the paint, hooking Hines, and he got fouled there. Tell the crowd's getting a little anxious because the fouls are 7-0 here in the second half. Yeah, and you, you hardly ever see that against the home crowd, but it's put... USF in a very precarious situation as Charlotte continues to make free throws. Yeah, and you got and you got Jackson, who's a 66% shooter in his career, is now 7 of 8 today. It's just one of those type of days. Charlotte 16 of 18 yeah. from the line. Yep, 8 of 8 second half. 61-46, a lot of work to do here for the Bulls with 12.40 to go. Charlotte did look like the better team. You just didn't know how you're going to slow them down and where the points were going to come from. And as you heard, the fouls were not going in the Bulls' favor. But something magic happened, and yes, the whistles started to favor the Bulls, and maybe it's human nature, but referees are people too, if you didn't know that. And You hear the crowd booing, and you're thinking, probably as an official, what are they booing for? And you look up, and oh, it's 7-0 on fouls. Five fouls called against Charlotte in less than two minutes. Then, they started turning the ball over. And yet, I want to play this moment, because we've had moments in Bulls comebacks where, frankly, the other team is one made shot away from ending it. This is when they were already in drain-the-clock mode. Jackson, couple dribbles, backdoor cut, nothing available. Picks up his dribble, six to go on the shot clock. Reavers sneaks a peek to get it off to Graves. Two on the shot clock, he elevates in 15. Fires one that rattled halfway out. down and popped out somehow. You know, the South Florida women's basketball team has had similar type moments, maybe not the same margin, where they're so close to putting away a team potentially and it doesn't happen. I wanted to highlight that because that came with 11 minutes to go, and if that sinks, everyone's head sinks, and it's 65 to 50, and I'm telling you, probably not over. That's dramatic to say, considering the Bulls had come from 17 down with less than five minutes to go in the first half to get it to five, and in this case, Charlotte started turning the ball over. In fact, after that miss, they did not get off another field goal attempt for more than three minutes but the Bulls really couldn't take full advantage because they weren't heating up. And then finally, Brandon Stroud hits a three to cut it to eight with about eight minutes to go. I love the Joey Johnston reaction as the Bulls are starting to get their comeback shoes on. Drives it in the paint all the way to the basket, off the window and in. Self Miguel's got 20. The Bulls have cut into it again. It's a six-point game. Here come the Bulls. They're used to coming back in the second half. They're mounting a run. He had to yell there. That's how loud the crowd was. But here's the wild thing. Again, after Chris Youngblood cut it to four, and eventually the Bulls would hit three straight with Jaden Reed's massive three coming in response to Milicic's three that, my man, great player, great score, but their leading three-point shooter, and yet every time he acted like it was his first he's ever made in his life after his... Quick three with 5.07 to go. Just couldn't wait to shush the crowd, put that finger up to his lips. Unfortunately for he and the 49ers, the only thing that shushed was their shooting because they did not make another shot. Jaden Reed responds with the big three, and the Bulls had it down to two with 3.45 to go, but could not score on their next three possessions. So it was a frustrating feeling, and it was Charlotte Ball up three. So Jaden Reed, the freshman, makes the three right after it was a seven-point game. I'd say this was a pretty big sequence by him as well. Charlotte still with a three-point lead, 125 to go, coming across into the front court. Here come the 49ers. And Jaden Reed stole it. He picked the pocket of Graves. He goes to the basket, layup is good. Yep. And boy, Graves was dribbling out near midcourt, and Jaden Reed, like a New York kid, picked his pocket. That was the play 
right there. There were a lot of plays in the comeback and a lot of people banking them. And Cason Pryor has been such a big part, was sitting on the bench. Corey Walker had another good game, so the Bulls can hurt you with more than one guy. And in that case, the freshman with the enormous defensive play. Charlotte misses with 50 seconds to go and then fouls Brandon Stroud. They review it about three minutes later. It's a flagrant foul. And then you talk about air out of balloon. He misses them both. But the Bulls, because of the flagrant foul, get possession back, which turned out to be pretty important. How about calling a timeout to run a play for the guy that just missed two free throws? Stroud bluffs the screen. Here's Selton. Leaves it for Stroud. Hesitation move. He's at the elbow. He's going to drive all the way to the basket. Ball fake. Off the window and in. He got fouled. Jackson fouled him. Brandon Stroud. He'll go to the free throw line with the Bulls up a point. Oh, my goodness. What a remarkable turn of events. I'll say. Missed the free throw, though, so Charlotte had a chance to call timeout, and the man who was hitting unconscious-looking threes early in the game tried another one and airballed it. That's too bad. Selton Miguel hits two free throws. Oh, yes, he was 13 of 14 at the line. And then I love the tagline that Jim Lighthall has at the end of games. Had a little bit more oomph and drama and emotion to it than normal even here. Here come the Bulls. Stroud looking to throw it in. He lobs it in to Corey Walker. Catches it with two seconds to go. He gets it ahead. That's all there is. There isn't any more. The Bulls, the cardiac kids, have done it again. Just amazing and one of those where I knew it was going to be a late night and didn't want to leave because we were there till after midnight. Amir Abdurrahim spoke with the guys. If you want to hear all of what he had to say, head to our podcast page. It's there for you. We'll give you a little here, though, in just a minute. Selton Miguel joined as well. He was 13 of 14 at the free throw line, scored 22 points. Youngblood added 13, was just one of six on threes, but had a big part. Some clutch shots there in the second half particularly. Kobe Knox ended with 13 points as well. Yeah, Miguel was just one of six at the line in the second half, but the Bulls basically had everybody score. Everybody hit a shot except Jose Placer. Youngblood, incidentally, did not leave the court. On their end, after that four for four start on threes, yeah, one for six in the second half. Foul count in the second half ended up 10 apiece after the drastic disparity. And as you can tell, with a bunch of fans still in the building, more background noise for a near-midnight interview than I thought I'd ever see at the YC. Here's Amir with Jim and Joy. The Bulls won the battle on the glass today, 33-32, and boy, did they have to work for it against a much bigger team. How about Bobby Pascal hugging Amir Abdul-Rahim <laughs> right now out on the floor saying congratulations to him as the players are spilling out of the locker room yeah. right now and That's Amir nice, hugging him nice back. Scene. That's a good scene right there yeah. for sure because there's, yep. there's two guys that know how to coach. <laughs> but Bobby doesn't get him in a conversation, then we might be here all night. <laughs> Amir coming over to our broadcast position right now, and he's going to throw the headset on. And congratulations on a dramatic come-from-behind victory for your first-place South Florida Bulls. Um. All praise to the Most High, to God be the glory. Um, the fact that we get to come out here and play this game, I get to coach this game, this group of kids that I get to coach, um, I don't take that for granted. All the glory goes to him, all the praise is to him. And <laughs> that's a pretty good sound right there, right? You know, you first play South Florida Bulls. I love it. But I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to give you a little coach speak. I'm not going to rest on it, all right, because my end goal was not to be in first place on February 6th. I was, I was hired to do a job of rejuvenating the program. I was hired to do a job of impacting the lives of young men and also win basketball games and, and, and win championships. And so until that job is done, 
I'm, I'm pleased, but I'm not satisfied. As the late, great Kobe, Kobe Bryant said, job not finished. And the job continues on Saturday at Rice. The Owls, since they played the Bulls, have had some very interesting outcomes and ones that make you sit up and take notice. They're just 9-14 and 14 overall. And as you know, they had the Bulls by double figures towards the midway point of the second half before the Case and Pryor show commenced. We'll definitely be replaying that second half a couple times on Saturday as a buildup. But since that game, they turn around and led Charlotte at home, get this, 24-4 before losing in overtime. Went to Temple and won. Got beat at home by FAU. Got beat at home in a wild one against Tulsa. Then went to Memphis and won. Went to UTSA and won. Only to turn around on Wednesday night and get drilled at home by basically their big rival outside of Houston, that being SMU, 95-69. to They still have some good three-point shooters. This will not be an easy game, and it will be on Bulls Unlimited starting at 2.30. And again, FAU loses last night. The only other game saw Memphis win at Temple. So updated, not sharing anything for now. USF 9-1 and in the conference, having won 14 of 15. The overall record is 16-5. and Charlotte and FAU are both 8-2. and two. Technically, Charlotte's the second-place team because they have the head-to-head. UAB with that win last night and SMU both stand at 7-3. and three. So the Bulls, if they win on Saturday at Rice, will be in first place by themselves coming out of the weekend. Now, if we can just get the computers to get on board because that win against Charlotte did not move the Bulls up. Maybe the computers weren't up late because... After they didn't play on Wednesday, they moved up two spots to 103 in the computer rankings. Meanwhile, the women will be in Philadelphia taking on Temple at the same time. Our pregame starts at 245. It'll be on the strike, 102.5 HD2. And after winning three in a row, and Wednesday was such a beautiful environment with National Women and Girls in Sports Day and Play for K Day, and the Bulls were rolling along against a Rice team that had a couple extra days in between its games in Boca and Tampa and looked like it. The Bulls had Rice out of sorts offensively, turning the ball over a ton of times, especially in the first quarter. Five turnovers, and the Owls shot just four for 14, and it was 17-8 to Bulls. Now, you talk about a key moment early in a game, and enough of teams having players that don't do much from three-point land, and all of a sudden they decide to go off against South Florida. Jazzy Owens Barnett, who last year as a freshman, scored around five and a half points per game, played around 20 minutes, and from three-point land was eight for 45. Coming into Wednesday night, she was seven for 22. That's in 18 games, so she shoots one, maybe none a game, and as a matter of fact, in her last six games, totaled, attempted two three-point shots and did not make any. In her career, had never made more than two in a game. But it wasn't even a three-point shot that got her going. Listen to this moment right here. They can beat you in a lot of different ways. They don't have one player, even though it was Fisher who hurt the balls. She scored 18 recently, going eight for nine, and there is another player who can hurt you. Jazzy Owens Barnett lays it up and gets fouled, and you hear her yelling. It's 22 to 14. I'll tell you why she's yelling. She has not scored as much lately. So again, that was seemingly innocuous, but you heard the reaction. She scored two points against the Bulls, only played eight and a half minutes. She was a non-factor. This was when the Bulls lost to Rice January 14th. That was when Malia Fisher took over in the fourth quarter, and Rice wins by three. Malia Fisher 
had missed their last four games, during which time they'd gone one and three. She was back and helped, but we didn't think Jazzy Owens-Barnett was going to do much. So in the six games since the Bulls played Rice last, Owens-Barnett, six and a half minutes against East Carolina, missed one shot, got pulled. SMU, five minutes, did not attempt a shot. Then this past weekend against FAU, made a shot, one for five, three for three at the line, five points. But she had not even attempted a three-point shot in six of her last nine games, only making one, and that was seven games back. And before the moment you just heard, her first shot was an air ball. So I'm telling you, if she doesn't score on that and one you just heard, she might be pulled from the game never to be seen again. Instead, Jazzy Owens-Barnett, next time down, guess what? Pulls up and hits a three. And then she's feeling it. She hits another later to tie the score. And the Bulls, who were up by 10, gave up a 10-0 run, missed six of seven shots, and that had nothing to do with Jazzy Owens-Barnett, who, by the way, would go on to a career-high 21 points, four for four at the three-point stripe, had never made more than two in a game. And who knows, maybe some of their other players take up the slack, but yeah, it's just one of those things where this team had nothing going offensively, and all of a sudden it did, and the game was tied at halftime. And here's the third quarter. I mean, the Bulls had one player particularly have a great night and had them in good position, but you'll hear on the other side, old Jazzy kept them in it. Wilson is stuck, but she gets out of it with a nice dribble to the top of the key, but 10 on the shot clock. She's going to decide to take it herself. Nice job, Ariel Wilson. Turn it on the Jets, an aerial display indeed, 34-31. You know, Klazak almost answered with a three try, but Lovey got out on her. They dump it inside to Angulifak, and Vlasic oh, might have gotten some arm Vlasic there. Vlasic is so lucky. Now Jackson will drive in, puts up a high shot, and again, good contact there, not getting called. And Romy Levy intercepts that pass. And Romy wants to take it all the way if she can. They're set up, so she pulls up. She can do that, you know. Romy Levy drains that mid-range, and she gets to 12 points. The Bulls lead is up to five. Jose Fernandez exhorting the troops. It's very a la Courtney Williams, the mid-range jumper by Romy Levy. Wilson, who flings it to Ava. Boy, Ariel's really got some alacrity and racking up the assist. Ava, strong to the hoop, back to a five-point lead. A beautiful power dribble up with the left-hand little jump hook. Much better here, Wilson. And Ava especially have been very just determined looking out there. Oh, Another nice whip pass, play. the two players I was just talking about. Nice little cut to the roof, and it's back to a five-point margin. Beautiful, beautiful play, and she finished the shot. Bulls are on a, above 46% shooting because of this recent run. So great to see Ava converting. It's mostly layups for her, six for seven. It's something she can do every game, frankly. The opportunities have been there. Now Jackson. Whips it across at the nice pass to Jazzy nice Owens-Barnett. And of course, Jazzy Owens-Barnett makes a wide open three. That's her third, cuts it to 40 to 38. She had not made a single three in her last six games. And it only <laughs> attempted two. And had never made three in a game. Two just once. That's how it's going oh, there. Again. Another cut by Ava. They can't stop her. So the Bulls can't stop Jazzy Owens-Barnett. And Rice is having problems with Aveline Luchashipple. Ava was tremendous in this game, but unfortunately that last bucket you heard, which was the third of three in a row in a minute and 20 seconds time, was the last field goal the Bulls would make of the third quarter. They would miss 12 in a row to end it, while from the six-minute mark of the third to the five-minute mark of the fourth, Rice did not miss. Ten in a row. That's going to lose you some games. The crazy thing was, and you just heard Ava with some layups, 
Offensive glass, she was phenomenal in the second half, especially, but for the whole game. Finished with 16 points on 7 of 9 shooting and 14 rebounds. Seven offensive rebounds. But in that third quarter, Rice exited with a five-point lead after being down five. The Bulls had eight offensive rebounds to none for Rice and only two second-chance points. For the game, they attempted 18 more shots than Rice but only made one more. That was the problem. Also, as Jose Fernandez spoke about after the game, settling for mid-range jumpers, while on the other side they were getting to the free throw line. Free throws, 14 for 15. By the way, Rice finally missed one, and it didn't matter. In Houston, they were 13 for 13 in the second half and needed them all, basically, to beat the Bulls. This time, 11 for 12 in the second half, while the Bulls, for the game, only three for four. And Blasig and Romy Levy are great shooters, but when those shots are not falling, you're not getting to the line, you're probably going to lose. Blasig was seven for 20, led with 17 points. Levy with just five for 21. 69-59 ended up being the final score. So the Bulls came into the night in that log jam of eight teams within a game of first place in the American. Now, obviously, they drop to two games out. Well, not obviously. One of those first place teams had to win, and it was UAB, which absolutely bounced back from the loss to the Bulls. Had an easy time of things at Tulane, impressively, 94 to 77. So the Bulls are technically tied for seventh place with Charlotte right now, but just a half game out of fifth place and just a game out of fourth. That's why Saturday's game at Temple is so important. The Owls have been really solid this year. They are 12 and 10 only overall. It's cause they were 5 and 5 at a conference. They lost 3 games in a row, got drilled at Ole Miss and at Nova, but those are two good teams. Came into conference winning 3 of 4. The only loss was to a Northwestern team where they by the way put up 27 offensive rebounds. Yeah, Temple Tough applies to the women's basketball team as well. And have they had some wild games? So get ready for one I'm imagining on Bulls Unlimited Saturday afternoon. They went to Tulsa and won by 10. That's significant. Tulsa is one of the teams just out of first place, tied for second right now, and then went to Wichita. So they took that swing trip, which is not an easy one, and they grabbed two wins at that time to get to 3-1 and one in conference and held both teams below 50. But then they came back home and lost by two to Memphis, beat Charlotte, go to SMU, and you talk about Wild. They thought they had a game-winning three-pointer at the buzzer. Tiara East hit it. And they were celebrating and chest bumping and taunting SMU. Problem was, upon further review, the shot didn't get off in time, barely not getting the buzzer. And so SMU taunted the Owls right back, and there was no handshake line. So I only bring that up because at the time, they were as low as you could be, and then went to Tulane and won by 18. Then came home, and that Wichita State team they just beaten 72-49 not too long ago, they were going to lose to until Tiara East beat the buzzer with a three-point shot to win by a point. And then get this, over the weekend, had Charlotte in Charlotte, that's a team that beat the Bulls, by 17 points and lost in double overtime. And oh, by the way, Charlotte turned around on Wednesday night. You thought the Bulls had a tough loss? No. Charlotte lost to last place FAU, which was without its leading score. So there is a lot happening with every opponent, it seems, with the Bulls in the standings. And, of course, we'll give you much more on the players for Temple East, the one we've mentioned. Doesn't shoot a lot of threes. They do have a couple other players who do. And their leader is their point guard, Aaliyah Nelson. She's outstanding. 1,500-point score, 12 points per game, and also 97 assists. So tune in to the Strike 1025 HD2. We will tweet out the link 
so that you know where to tune in for that broadcast nationally. We'll always do that for you. And as we wrap up this first half hour, we still got plenty more to come with softball highlights and women's golf interviews and baseball with Billy Mole telling us the starting rotation for the Bulls and tennis and track and field. But we got to give you some of Alex Golish if you want to hear all of what he had to say on the national late signing day wrap-up on Wednesday. Summing up how late he was working to secure the final piece, a kid from Tampa Bay Tech, among the hall of defensive backs that the Bulls added recently. Signing day, the second one a little bit less eventful than the first one. But we were able to go finish, uh, which was which was really, really cool. Excited about the additions today. Uh, Cameron Campbell piece came down to, I was at the basketball game last night, uh, still working on that one. And to, to get a young man from right here in Tampa that, that a lot of people in this country wanted at a position of need in, in corner. Um, man, i super grateful to our staff and super grateful to uh, what DeMarcus Van Dyke came in and did really, really quickly. Um, and certainly Coach Orlando and that defensive staff worked really hard. Um, you know, really proud of this class. And there's no ending point anymore in college football. I feel like you're just continuing to just go. But, but really proud of, in year one, an actual complete full cycle, what we were able to do in terms of we wanted to recruit high school guys, we want to develop guys and fill holes that we feel like we need with the transfer portal. I feel like we addressed both. To sign 20 guys from the state of Florida, I couldn't be more proud of. You signed five from Georgia, I feel like, man, like that is our footprint. That's where we should be able to evaluate at a high clip. We should be able to recruit at a high clip. And now there is proof of concept of who we are, what we do, how we do it. A lot of names he threw at you there, and you heard – Cameron Campbell, a defensive back, one of seven that the Bulls picked up out of their 10 in this latest bump to the class. And he said DVD, that would be Demarcus Van Dyke, the new cornerbacks coach who obviously is also a pretty good recruiter as well. The Lex he mentioned is Virginia transfer linebacker Langston Long. He also mentioned Abdur Rahman Yassin, who had 34 catches last year for Purdue. So... If you want more on all of the signings, head to GoUSFBulls.com. A couple more clips from Golish that I enjoyed, and that'll wrap up this first huge half hour of the hour-long Bulls beat. Get ready for some softball, baseball, and women's golf, and much more in our second half hour. But loved his, and you knew he was going to get asked some general questions about the state of college recruiting. Check out this response. Like, if I've heard it a hundred times, man, can you believe it? you got to recruit your own kids. And I always ask, like, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean you got to recruit your own kids? Like, you mean you got you to gotta do what you told the parents sitting on their couch in the living room that you were going to look out for them, you were going to treat them like your own kid, you're going to love them, you're going to demand a lot of them, you're going to hold them to a high standard, then you're going to keep loving them, and then you're going to return them into society with a career plan, elite examples of what fathers and husbands look like, and then they're going to go be ready to attack life, whether that's in the NFL or, or in the real world. Like, that's what you have to do every day? Is that what you mean by recruiting them? Well, why don't we just do that? Like, if we told the parents we were going to do that, and that's what we say we are, why don't we just be that? An excellent new twist on be who you say you are. And I also wanted to ask him as he wrapped up the press conference, again, the whole thing's on our podcast page. He spoke for more than 20 minutes, a lot of that national landscape stuff but specifically on the spring game being scheduled. 
If you missed that, Saturday, April the 13th at 2 o'clock. Here at Corbett Stadium, I thought that was a really, really cool environment a year ago inside Corbett, and so we're, we're going to try to try to replicate and, uh, and working through maybe some more seating there um, to be able to accommodate more people. But afternoon game, softball is going to play right after us, and then um, Billy Strings, am I right? Billy Strings, i got to catch up on and figure out who Billy is, but um, but then uh, that concert is that night. That's why we ended up doing it in the afternoon, and I think it'll be awesome. It'll be awesome to do a day deal. We'll not televise it uh, just because I don't really want a whole lot out there. You know, maybe we'll come out in the eye under center and, and play the clock game this year, so don't want anybody to know. But it'll be awesome. It'll be exciting. I'm excited to do it on campus. I thought that was that was where we had to be, hopefully – that's that crowd of students that was there last night for Amir and that crew shows up at that deal as well. And uh, we'll have a blast Saturday afternoon football here on campus. No TV and do not complain. You know why? First of all, we're on the radio side, so we really don't care. <laughs> we're going to do a radio broadcast. But what is it today? February 9th. The game is April 13th. You have two full months to plan around instead of sitting on a keyboard and getting ready to cry and type on Twitter or X. Why isn't it on TV? You got two full months to figure out how to get your butt to Corbett Soccer Stadium and come by our radio booth and say hi to us. Had a chance to say hi and get some great stuff from women's golf coach Erica Brennan and Melanie Green after she, individually Melanie, and the Bulls won their spring opener. That's in our third segment next. Some highlights from last night on the softball diamond and a little bit from baseball head coach Billy Mole and Jack Siebert as well. Stay tuned. <laughs> 